I think most of you remember that last week we finished our study of or our looking at chapter number two. And as you come to chapter three, here's what you find if you're familiar with this passage of scripture at all. You find that from chapter two to chapter three, there's kind of a, a sudden and dramatic transition in the thoughts of what he's been talking about to what he will now be talking about. And so because there's really not much of a connection from chapter 2 and the thoughts of chapter 3, I'm not going to review last week's message. Uh, it's, it's not pertinent to this morning's message. So today I just want to begin by asking us to think about something that I'm sure I have talked about before by way of principle. I know the application is going to be a little bit different, but I want us to begin this morning by thinking about this truth that with everything we do, there is a level of risk associated with it. It does not matter what we do, or maybe even don't do, there is a level of risk associated with it. Think about this for just a moment, that there was a risk associated with you getting out of bed today. There really was. Now you may say, well, it wasn't much of a risk. I didn't say it was a high-risk endeavor that you engaged in, I just said there was a risk in you getting out of bed this morning. Certainly there were some risks associated with you leaving the house today. Whenever you go to work tomorrow, there are going to be certain risks associated with what you do. Uh, everything that we do, everything that we engage in, everything that we are a part of, there are certain risks associated with that activity. Now, I'm of the opinion and I'm of the mindset that it is good for us to be aware of the fact that there are risks associated with what it is we're doing. I don't want to be one who's afraid of everything, but I think it is good, I think it is helpful, and I think it is profitable for us to realize that with everything we do, there are certain risks associated with it. Because here's what it does, is if we recognize the risk associated with whatever it is we want to do, we can better decide if that's really what we want to engage in. Let me explain. There's a part of me that thinks it would be fascinating to go skydiving. I really do. I think it would be fascinating to go up that high and to jump out of a plane and just parachute my way down. But because there are certain risks associated with that, that I am glad to know, that's where common sense jumps in and says, you really don't need to jump out of a plane at this stage of life. Maybe prior to kids, prior to marriage and responsibility, maybe that was a good time. But right now, no, you don't need to engage in that. So I, I'm thankful that there's an awareness or can be an awareness of the risk associated with certain activities because it lets us determine whether or not we really want to engage in it. But I'm also thankful for this reason, that if we look at the activity, the risk associated with it, and we still choose to engage in whatever that is, we at least know how careful we need to be when doing this. Okay, if I'm doing this and these are the risks associated with it, then I need to be careful to this degree, to this extent, so as to come out of this as unscathed as possible. So do you understand the principle here that everything we do has risk associated with it? It's good that we know those risks, 
because we can change our mind or our approach to something and maybe stay away from something if the risks are too high. But if we choose to continue on, then we at least know how to handle ourselves in the midst of that situation. Now, as we think about that, we're going to kind of change gears just a little bit and go a different direction in our thoughts. But this morning, as we come to James chapter 3, here's what you know, if you're familiar with this chapter at all, is that James is going to spend quite a bit of time in this chapter on the tongue, which obviously is what's responsible by way of sound that comes out of our mouths or the words that we speak, correct? Okay, I mean, you kind of have to have a tongue in order to formulate the words and the sounds that come out of our mouths. And so whenever James is speaking of the tongue, then here's what we know. What he is ultimately talking about are the words that we speak. Now, for just a moment, if you would, look in verse number 2, kind of toward the middle of the verse. But notice what James said. James said, If any man offend not in word... The same is a perfect man and able also to bridle the whole body. I don't know if you've ever thought about that statement before. I I know that for myself this week, I gave it a little bit more attention, a little bit more thought than I've probably ever given it in the past. But what James said in verse number two is this, is if a man is able to not be offensive or say things he ought not say with his words, then the man who is capable of doing such, that is a perfect individual. And to that statement, we would have to say, Amen. Would we not? Think about this for just a moment. No matter how much we guard it, no matter how much we protect against it, no matter how much we strive to be mindful of it, Isn't it amazing how quickly things can come out of our mouths that we had no intention of coming out of our mouth? I have found this to be amazing the more I have been aware of this, that in an instant, just as quick as the blink of an eye, we can be rude with what we say. And we might even say, well, I'm not really a rude person. I understand, but just that fast we can be rude. It's amazing to me how quickly we can be hateful. It's amazing to me how quickly we can be offensive, how quickly we can be obnoxious, how quickly we can be dishonest. Put it whatever you want in the blank there. Isn't it amazing how fast things can come out of our mouths that have no business coming out of our mouths? About a week or so ago, Susie and I were driving down the road. She asked me a question. She wasn't trying to be offensive. She wasn't trying to be rude. She wasn't trying to be anything other than inquisitive about something that I had already mentioned. And whenever she asked the question, seeking for clarification, I wasn't even upset. And you know what I did? I responded in a rude manner. Again, I wasn't mad. I wasn't upset before she asked the question. But in the way that she asked the question, I guess it struck me just wrong. And in my response, I was rude. You know what I had to do later that morning? I had to say to her, I'm I'm sorry. I don't know why I responded in the way that I did. I don't know why I said what I said. But just that fast, I said something that I didn't need to say. You ever been there? 
Listen, I know you have because if you've never been there, then what you're saying is you're a perfect person and we all know better. I don't remember the exact time frame. Within the last couple of weeks, though, I know it to be so. I was visiting with someone and the conversation was flowing pretty quickly. Now, now let me just kind of insert here. I try very hard to be an honest person. I want to be a person that tells the truth at all times, in all situations, in all manners, no matter what. That's what I I want to be. I, I strive for that. But I was having this conversation that was flowing pretty quickly, and this person said something, then I said something, and then they they continued talking. And as they continued talking, you know what I was thinking about? What I just said. And I thought, that's not how it happened, you dummy. That's not really what took place. And so what I did was is, is I spoke a lie unintentionally. But as the conversation was flowing, it was like it just came out of my mouth as quickly as anything could. And I truly, I was standing there thinking, where in the world did that come from? Boy, it's frustrating, isn't it? But, but think about this. The tongue is incapable of being bridled and fully controlled. It's impossible. James says again, if a person is able to not offend in word, the same is a perfect man. And friends, perfection does not exist in humanity. So every one of us, if we're honest, we have to admit there are times that things come out of our mouths that ought not be said. So does that then justify us saying things that ought not be said? Well, the answer is no, of course not. If I'm rude, I need to make it right. If I'm hateful, I need to make it right. If I'm dishonest, I, I need to make it right. If, if I've done or said anything that was not the way it's supposed to have been, then I need to do what I can to make it right. So all that being said, all that in mind, I want us to think about this truth. That the more we talk, the greater our risk is of saying something we should not say. The risk just goes up immensely. Because no matter what, at some point we're going to say something we ought not say. So the more we talk, you know what we're doing? We are just sending up the percentages of our chances of saying something we need to make right, that we need to correct, that we need to apologize for. It does not bode well for us long term if we're big talkers. There really are advantages at times to being a quiet person. You have to apologize for less. Now, I say all that to try to set up the context of what we're looking at this morning. Go back to verse number 1. And as we work our way through this, you may say, well, Brother Kyle, that doesn't really apply to me. That's really not relevant to my situation. I think in a moment we're going to broaden the application enough that we can all get something from this. But but I want us to notice in verse number 1 what James says. He, He begins by saying, my brethren, my brethren. 
Now, I'm of the opinion, I'm of the position that James is writing to fellow believers, that this is not just a general reference to fellow Jews, but this would be a reference to fellow believers who have been saved out of Judaism. This is important because of their culture, because of their mindset, because of tradition. Okay, in the culture of the Jews coming out of Judaism into Christianity, what did they have? They had religious leaders, they had religious teachers, they had the rabbis, those who sought the respect and the admiration of the common everyday individual. That was a position that men sought, that was a position that men desired, and the more respect they could earn or the more uh, clout they could earn, the better they felt about themselves in comparison to others. So he says, my brethren, be not many masters. My brethren, be not many masters. Now, this is kind of a unique way to express the thoughts that that most believe that James was trying to express. But this statement, be not many masters, basically means this, is that Of the believers, of those who would identify with Christ, essentially what James is conveying is this, is that most of you don't need to be in teaching positions. Most of you probably don't need to be in leadership positions. Most of you do not need to be in that position of authority over others Again, in this teaching ministry. Now, again, somebody may sit here and say, well, Brother Kyle, that's not a concern of mine. That's not a desire of mine or anything of that nature. Well, hold on. We'll get to that in just a couple of moments. But, but here is what James said. All right, be not many masters. Many of you, most of you, the majority of you, you don't need to be leaders. You don't need to be the teachers. You don't need to be the ones out front. Well, for what reason? Well, think about this, that in order to be a master or a teacher or a leader or something of that nature, here is what you have got to do. You have got to speak in order to communicate what it is you're trying to teach. And again, the more you speak, the greater the risk of saying something that ought not be said. As I was thinking about this sermon, as I was thinking about this verse and what appears to be the the thoughts of verse 1 in light of the context, I was thinking about the position that I am in. I've said this before, okay? I've got to. It's part of my responsibility. It's part of what you expect from me. Part of what I'm paid to do is I've got to teach a 35 to 40 minute Sunday school lesson every week. Do you know how many words that involves? Thousands and thousands and thousands of words. I don't begin to know what the word count would be already for this morning's sermon, but I can promise you it's already in the thousands what I have said today. By the time tonight finishes up, I will have spoken thousands of more words, and then Wednesday night, you know what I've got the opportunity to do? I've got the opportunity to speak thousands of more words. And you know what goes up amazingly with every sermon I preach? The ability to say something stupid. The ability to say something that I ought not say. 
the ability to, to say something that is not right, that is not accurate, that is not biblical. And just so you know, this isn't hypothetical. This is real life. There have been times that I have been preaching, and maybe I've said this before, but there have been times I have pre- I've been preaching and I have said things, and as soon as I have said it, it's like this giant question mark shows up in my mind, and it's saying, why did you just say that? You idiot. Did you really just express that thought? And in the back of my mind, I've got all these things racing as I'm trying to preach, and you don't know the mental battle that's taking place. The brain is saying, keep talking, but at the same time, the brain is saying, did you really say that? And the brain is saying, yep, you really said it. And in all of this, it's just like, my word, I've got the potential to say so many dumb things, and I have said so many dumb things over the years. Not everybody needs to be in this position because you can say a lot of stuff that doesn't need to be said. I'll just tell you, sure I've said this before, but there have been so many times I've been sitting in my office listening to sermons that I'm editing so that it'll go out on the radio at some point in the future. I have thought so many times, thank you, God, for the delete button. I can just highlight that section of the sermon that made no sense whatsoever, that didn't need to be said, that was a little bit of a rabbit trail, I can delete that one and say, well, at least the radio people don't have to hear it. There have been times, I just, I know this, okay? I I just, I know this. There have been times that I've been preaching and you've been looking at me like it's a blank look and, and I'm thinking, what is wrong? Why aren't these people more responsive? Then I go back and I hear the sermon and I'm thinking, well, that's why they were unresponsive. What was there to respond to? I just pulled the wrong person into the story I was talking about, and they're supposed to know what I'm thinking. You understand what I'm saying? He says, my brethren, be not many masters. Not everyone needs to be a teacher. Not everyone needs to be a preacher. Not everyone needs to be in that leadership position because you've got to talk in order to be in this kind of position and, and the potential to saying things that don't need to be said goes up increasingly with every word that you speak. And if you think you're going to get it right every time, you're wrong. Because if you got it right every time, you'd be perfect. And nobody is perfect when it comes to how they speak. So there's the risk involved with being that master or that teacher or that, that leader But here's part of why this is something to consider or to give attention to. It's good to know the risk associated with it because of what the consequences can be. Notice what he went on to say in verse number 1. He said, My brethren, be not many masters, knowing, understanding, realizing this, that we, those of us who are in those leadership positions, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. James says you've got to understand this, you've got to know this, you've got to be aware of this, that there is a greater level of judgment placed on the masters or the teachers, the preachers, the leaders. There is a greater level of judgment. Now listen, not for how they lived, but for what they taught. 
You understand this? I've, I've had people say things like this. Well, you've got to live differently because you're a preacher. No, I've got to live differently because I'm a Christian. But you've got to live different because you're a Christian. I'm not held to a different lifestyle just because I'm the preacher. As Christians, we are held to the same standard as far as how we live our lives. But for every word that I speak, for every lesson that I teach, for everything that I bring before the people, there is going to be a higher level or greater level of judgment that comes with what I say. Because, and it, it, listen, if everything goes right, here's what's happening. The lesson or the message is influencing thought which will in turn influence action and behavior. So it is of utmost importance that I get it right because I will be judged to an extent on how the sermons and the lessons and the, and the messages that I have brought have influenced the thinking and the behavior of you, the people. So this is the risk. Talk more, better chance you'll say something that doesn't need to be said. And you need to be mindful of it because this is the possible consequence, the greater condemnation or judgment that comes with it. Now this morning, I know that you know this, it's been this way in every biblical church from the time the church began. But not all the teaching and all the preaching and all the leadership is done by the one they call pastor. So in our church, like in so many other churches, what do we have? We have other people who find themselves in teaching, leading positions, where in that position or in that ministry... It requires word, it requires talking, it requires conversation. Okay? Now, with that ministry, what does it increase? It increases your odds of saying something you shouldn't say. So if you're a Sunday school teacher, for Brother Mike who works in the junior church each week, uh, for Brother Randy, for Brother Chad, the, the ones who are in these teaching ministries, for every lesson that is taught, the chances increase that they'll say something they ought not say, which should remind every one of us in a teaching position how much more careful we need to be in what we say, because we will be held accountable for every word that we teach. Now, I want us to consider something for just a moment. Here is a risk that is associated with being this in this position of, of being a teacher, leader, whatever title you'd like to give it. We can get very relaxed in this position we hold. Well, our church family is gracious, they're kind. They'll let some things slide, and they're not going to hold it against me. That's really not the right position or the mindset to have because I'll still be held accountable for what's taught. 
So you could look at a Sunday school class and you could say something like this, well, these are my friends, so if I say something dumb, if I say something wrong, if I say something that's not biblical, well, they'll understand and they'll be kind and they'll give me a pass and, and, and I don't really need to be as prepared as, as maybe as I ought to be. No, we're still going to be held accountable for everything that's taught. That's why it's important that we be as prepared as possible to give forth the word of God every time we stand before the people of God because we'll be held responsible for everything we say. I'm just saying as a pastor, there is no excuse for a Saturday night special. But I would also say this for each teacher in our church, there is no there's really no good reason for, on a regular basis, the church family to get the Saturday night special from you. Because if you're not prepared, you're apt to just say something off the cuff, and you may say, well, it was innocent. Well, I didn't really mean what I said, you know. I mean, yeah, it didn't come out right, but, but it's going to be okay. Well, we're still responsible. We can't afford to say things like this. Well, I teach the kids, so the kids don't even know, and if I get it wrong, well, it's no big deal. Hold, hold on. If they're kids who don't know better, then how important is it that they get it right the first time they hear it? Amen. We're going to be held accountable, and that's why, and, and, and don't take this wrong, but that's why not everyone needs to be in that leadership position because of the risk associated with it. I just want to throw this out to you ladies who attend the ladies' Bible study. If you're ever asked to do the devotion at the ladies' Bible study, you need to remember that there is a great risk associated with that because every word that you speak will be held for consideration because of what you have said to influence thought and behavior. It's that important. It is not a light matter to find ourselves in this teaching, leading position. Because when the words come out, we will be held responsible for everything we've said. And that's weighty. But again, you may sit here and say, well, Brother Kyle, you know, you've probably noticed... I don't teach a Sunday school class. You've probably noticed, Brother Kyle, that whenever a Sunday school teacher is gone, I'm not the one who fills in for them. Brother Kyle, you, you've probably noticed that whenever you're gone, I've never said to you, hey, I'd be happy to fill in for you. Uh, that's not really what I want to do. I understand. I get it. But again, let's, let's broaden this application just a little bit. How many of us, whether we desire the position or not, how many of us realize that we are in teaching leadership positions every day of our lives? We really are. So whether or not it be in an official capacity, every one of us are in leadership teaching positions to some extent in someone's life almost daily, if not daily. What are you talking about? Well, right now, I am the head of the home, which means I've got some children that I'm still supposed to be influencing. Do you know how critical it is that what I teach them be biblical 
and not culturally relevant if the two are not in agreement? Do we, re do we realize this? That everything I teach my children, I will be responsible for. Everything I say, every way that I influence their thoughts, which influences their behavior, I am going to be held responsible for that. Now think about that. With that risk, do we realize how important it is that we give it to them correctly because we'll be responsible for what we've taught them? Well, my kids don't know any better. My kids, they understand. My kids this, my kids that, my kids, you know, they'll get it figured out. No, no, no. That's not the way it's supposed to be. I'm in that teaching position, so I have to be the one teaching them the Word of God properly, accurately, because I'll be held responsible for what I have taught them. If you broaden the application. How many of us have ever tried to teach a coworker something? Yeah. Well, you know how important it is that you get it right? Because what you teach them that could influence their thought, that could influence their behavior, if you don't tell it to them correctly, you will be held somewhat responsible for what you've said. And I'm just going to be honest with you, a lot of times a lot of bad theology is floated around by good people who are not being careful with what they're saying because what they're saying is not biblical, but it sounded good for the moment, so they just throw it out and then later realize, oh, I probably shouldn't have said that. It doesn't really matter where we find ourselves in these teaching, leading positions. There is an accountability that goes with you and I opening our mouths. Are we hearing this? There is an accountability that goes with you and I opening our mouths. Are we going to get it right every single time? Well, of course not, because that, again, would reflect perfection, and none of us are perfect but we need to be very careful to assert ourselves or, or in asserting ourselves. We need to be very careful in trying to be in that leadership position because we will be held responsible for everything we say. And as you and I this morning, as we reflect on these positions in life where we find ourselves, not just myself as the pastor, not just yourself, maybe, as one of the Sunday school teachers, leaders in this church, but, but wherever you might have some authority and leadership in your life, every one of us need to be mindful that the more we talk, the greater the risk of us saying something that ought not be said. So because of that, it reminds me how careful I need to be with the words that come out of my mouth. We can get pretty careless sometimes, can't we? And we can say, yeah, well, no big deal. No, it is a big deal. It is a big deal. And we need to remember that. Let's all stand this morning and bow our heads for prayer. Fathers, I come to you this morning. I pray that you'd help each of us, not just those in a capacity of ministry per se. I pray that you'd help each one of us to remember
that wherever you give us authority, wherever you give us that ability to teach or to preach or to have influence, whatever it may be, I pray you'd help us to remember just how serious of a matter that is, how careful we need to be, because the odds go up the more we speak, the greater we will fail, and without your help, we'll say things that do not need to be said. I pray that you'd help us, Lord, to be careful. And if any would have to admit this morning they've been careless, they've not been mindful of it, they've given it no real thought, I pray that you'd help us to just rein it back in a little bit so that we can be what we're supposed to be. I pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen.